it is your host Steph. Welcome back to Murder in the Black. And today we will be covering the case of Andreen McDonald. There is not a lot of information about Andreen's formative years, but here's what we do know. She grew up in Jamaica, Portland, and she went to elementary and high school there. After high school graduation, she attended a community college and received her associate's degree in business. And we don't know exactly when or what age she got married, but she soon married her husband, Andre, and they both moved to Florida. After Andre and Edrine married, Andre joined the Air Force and his career took him to San Antonio, Texas. Andrine wanted to start her own business and so naturally she decided to go back to college and she attended the University of Texas, San Antonio and majored in finance and business. She eventually graduated magnum cum laude at 22 years old and many describe her as intelligent and very driven. Her desire was to help others so she started her own business and she began an assisted living home. And she focused on people who had dementia and she became a certified dementia practitioner. She became a certified assistant manager. She made sure she had every certificate she needed so that she could render care to the patients that were in her home. Andrine's business was booming. Her business grew rapidly and just in a short amount of time, she was able to own two home care facilities in the San Antonio area. She was very successful and of course with success, you want to continue to grow in other areas, right? So in 2012, her and Andre decided they wanted to start a family and she has her daughter. Andrine was a pillar of the community. Many recognized her great care that she rendered to her patients. They also um, gave her tons of, of awards, and she was even featured in a magazine in her community. In 2017, Andre and Andrine purchased their very first home, and everything appeared to be going very well for them. On March 1st, 2019, Andrine was scheduled to go into work and she was very much a creature of habit, which I can totally relate to because I wake up pretty much every day at four or five at the latest and I go to the gym. That's just what I do. I thrive off of routine. And part of that probably is because I have children, but I really love fitness and it's it's my way of getting me time in and Andrine was very similar she had to go to the gym so she would wake up at 5 a.m go to the gym get her workout in and then shower get dressed and go into work promptly at 8 a.m and everybody knew this about Andrine her closest friends her employees she just had a set schedule that she stuck with however on this day she does not show up for work and so her employees, her friends, they're kind of confused, you know, so they call and their calls go unanswered. She does not pick up. 
Now, February 28th, a day prior to when she goes missing, she actually called into work and told her employees that she felt sick and she would not be coming in that day. So when her friends heard that, they felt like, ooh, well, maybe she's still sick and we need to go check on her. But the first thing that they do instead of going to her home is they check at the gym first because they kind of think, well, she's a gym rat. Let's just see if she you know, went to the gym, got a workout in, and then went back home. The people at the gym informed her friends that she had not been there at all. And so their next course of action was to go to her home. And can I just say that Andrine has some bomb friends? Because (laughs) I can't say that my friends would do that. Now, my family would, but my friends, Andrine has some good friends. They are the real MVPs, truly. So they go to Andrine's home, they knock on the door, and their knocks go unanswered. So they go to the back of the house, and the back door is actually unlocked. And so one of the friends enter the home, and they're trying to figure out if they can, you know, just see if she's there. Maybe she's upstairs and she can't come to the door. Like, they really want to know what's going on with Andrine. So they take it upon themselves to go into the house. But there's no signs of Andrine's last movements. Like, you know, her car, her Porsche was still in the garage. Um, They go upstairs to her master bedroom and her bathroom, and it's in total disarray. Now, I want to say that there is a difference between my house is messy and I just ain't cleaned up, and there's just crap all over the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody went, like, ransacked the house, and that's exactly how Andrine's bedroom was looking and her bathroom and as her friend continues to look around she sees that there's a little bit of blood and also hair and a strong odor of bleach as you can imagine andrine's friends are very concerned so just to go back over what they found in andrine's house they walk in her bedroom and bathroom are in completely disarray it's ransacked they find blood and pieces of hair on the ground and not only that there's a heavy odor of bleach so at this point in time they decide to just go out of the house and try to come up with a plan to find Andrine. one friend says she's gonna go and pick up Andrine's mother so they can kind of figure out the pieces of this puzzle Find out if Andrine's okay. Find out where the last place she was. And just figure this mystery out because nothing seems right. Now, her other friends say, okay, you go do that and we'll stay here. We'll go back to the front and just wait on her porch in hopes that Andrine pulls up or maybe her husband comes and we can get the questions answered. So, The other friend goes and picks up Andrine's mother and the other ladies wait outside. Well, sure enough, Andre McDonald pulls up. And when he pulls up to the house, he gets out of the car and he's very nonchalant. I mean, just, you know, whistling and going about his day. And of course, her friends bombard him with questions like, hey, where's Andrine? We've called her. She missed work. She didn't go to her workout. What's going on? And he casually strolls by them and goes into the house. Now, before I get any further, I want to mention that while they were at the back door, they were in the backyard of the house, obviously, right? 
And one of the friends noticed that there was like a burn pile, like a fire pit, so to speak. And it looked like something had recently been burned there. And I want you guys to tuck that underneath your hat because that is an important piece to this puzzle. Now, the friend returns with Andrine's mother and Andre comes back out of the house and his demeanor is extremely nonchalant once again. And he just got in his car and left, leaving Andrine's mother, Andrine's friends wondering what did he know? And he obviously knew something because he was just way too calm and cool about Andrine being missing. After Andre leaves, Andrine's mother and her friends witness his nonchalant attitude. Andrine's mother was like, "Mm -mm, something's not right. The situation grew even more suspicious. And so she immediately called the police and suggested that there was some foul play involved. The police arrive on scene and they give the police the full rundown on Andrine, how she called into work on February 28th and then didn't show up on March 1st and then all the evidence that they found in the house. So Andrine's mother went ahead and gave the police permission to go into Andrine's house, which I don't know if she really could have given that permission, but they did. And they find all these suspicious things at the house as well. But the police uncover that Andrine's purse is still there, her keys are still there, and her ID is still there. So the whole theory that Andrine is could, you know, could be here, could be there without all the things that she would need to get around her purse, money, ID, her car keys, it's it's giving very suspicious, okay? Something is going on. So you guessed it, Andre is the number one suspect. The police confront him with the evidence that they have recovered in the home. And he tells them that Andrine is at a local hospital for an unknown reason. The police call to substantiate his claim. And of course, it was proved that he was indeed lying. Andrine was not in the hospital. So the police confront him on his lie. And he just tells them, hey, listen, Andrina and I got into an argument the night before, and that's all he says because Andre lawyers up. Because they can't or they don't have enough evidence at the time to charge him with anything, they have to let him go. But he was ruled a suspect. So they went and got a warrant to search his car, and they found that his car had blood in it and it was human. And they also tested the blood that was found in Andrine's bathroom. And that also was found to have uh, or to be human blood as well. But this still wasn't enough evidence. So the police began to run surveillance on Andre. And they see him going into a gun store And he actually leaves with ammunition. He's acting very strange. And they deem that Andre probably is a danger to himself. And he might likely commit suicide. So they want to get him before he does any of this. And so they get a court order that ruled him a danger to himself. And at that point, they were able to detain him. Upon Andre being detained by the police, they execute a second search warrant and more evidence was revealed that Andrine was not okay. They uncovered 
two receipts. One was for a purchase of a shovel, an axe, and a hatchet. And they actually found that shovel. They found a receipt for gloves, two five-gallon containers. Inside of the trash, they found something with blood on it. And they also uncovered an additional fire pit. They found a hammer with Andrine's blood. And on March 3rd, 2019, they charged Andre with evidence tampering. Everyone knew that Andrine would not have gone missing on her own. And all the evidence substantiated that. Now, there aren't many details about the early years of their relationship, but according to friends and family, their relationship was on the rocks and it was known. Andrine and Andre's relationship was really highlighted by the fact that they argued a lot. And a lot of their argument was about the control of her business. And prior to 2017, they had a home together. We know they purchased that home, but... Andrine was living in one of the houses she used for her business. She used the first floor for her own living space and the second floor was used for patients, etc. Now, the police was actually called to her home two times, but the reasons are unknown. And many people suspect that there was physical abuse, although it was never seen by anyone, like as far as bruises, scars, Things of that nature. In August of 2017, Andrine filed for divorce and said that they had irreconcilable differences. But the couple reconciled and withdrew their petition for divorce. Andrine had told her friends and family that if she ever went missing, Andre killed her. And can I just say, that anytime you're saying something like that about your spouse or significant other, you probably shouldn't be in that relationship anymore. I mean, because that says a lot, right? And the fact that she had to give that type of warning to her friends and family, it is now making sense to me why her friends acted the way they did, why they immediately went to her house, why they immediately checked out the gym. Um, because in a lot of missing person cases, you see that people try to, you know, kind of give it some time and, you know, try to see if the per person pops up. But in this particular case, her friends and her mother immediately jumped into action. And now knowing that she said this about Andre, it makes complete sense why they did. After Andre is arrested, he actually posts bail. He's put on house arrest and temporary custody of Andrine and his daughter was given to Andrine's mother. And he was allowed supervised visits. Now, you have to keep in mind that at this time, he was only charged with tampering with evidence. So I can see why you know, the state allowed him to continue to have visits with his daughter, even though, you know, it just blows me that he was allowed. And the community community continues to rally around Andrine and her family. They conduct searches. They join hand in hand with the police department to figure out what happened to Andrine to, to just make 
a discovery on where she could be. But after months of searching, nothing was uncovered, no clues to where Andrine was. She was still very much so missing. Of course, Andre never participated in any of the searches and the police continued their investigation. And that's when they surmised that their six-year-old daughter may have known or witnessed what happened to Andrine. So they review back over the case. Let's go back to the basics. On February 28th, we know that Andrine called her work and told them she was not coming in because she didn't feel well. She also called a family friend to pick up her six-year-old daughter from school, which would go hand in hand with her not feeling well and she would need somebody to help her out. So what we do know is that February 28th is the last time that anyone saw or heard from Andrine. And who was in the house that night? Well, it was Andre, Andrine, and their daughter. So the police go and question Andre and Andrine's daughter. And this is what she told police. And I quote, Daddy hurt mommy and she fell to the floor. I don't know why they mention this because I don't think it's necessarily relevant to um, her answers, but they mentioned that she was autistic or she is autistic. And they said that she made several other statements and comments, which led them to believe that she actually witnessed the murder of her mother, which this sickens me. I think that it is terrible um, and just gross that anybody would take someone's life in the first place. But the fact that he actually carried out the murder in front of his daughter just is a whole nother level of evil. He literally just handed his daughter heartbreak, heartache, and just a lifetime of trauma. On July 11, 2019, human remains were found just six miles away from Andrine's home. The remains had been mixed with cow bones in an attempt to hide or to deceive police to believing that it was just animal remains. Y'all, who gonna tell them? Who gonna tell him? Who gonna tell Andre that our technology and our science has evolved so much that we're able to not only be able to tell the difference between animal remains and human remains, but we can tell you who those human remains belong to. And four days later, the coroner was able to do that, and they confirmed that it was Andrine McDonald's remains. Now, the police tell the public what they believed happened on February 28th. They know for a fact that Andre admitted that Andrine was, him and Andrine got into an argument. They believe that at that point, he murdered Andrine in front of their daughter and he then put her body into the fire pit. Now just go back with me. If you remember her friends on their initial visit to check in to see if Andrine was home, they saw a fire pit that had just been used in the backyard. It had looked like it had been used. That is the fire pit that Andre used to burn his wife's body. He then collects the remains and takes them over six miles away to a field and tries to disguise the bones with cow bones. But of course, it doesn't work. 
So on July 13th, Andre McDonald is arrested and charged with murder. His bond is $2 million. Now, y'all, this is where this gets sticky icky, okay? It just gets very, very shaky. Now, $2 million sounds about right to me for the two charges he received. He received a murder charge and he received a tampering with evidence charge. However, you know, lawyers be lawyering, and I meant to say it like that, okay? But I have nothing against lawyers. My sister's a lawyer. But lawyers sometimes can lie, as Medea would say. They be lying. But his lawyer, Andre's lawyer, was effectively able to argue in court that his bond should be reduced due to the fact that he was a naval former naval officer. And he also, um, this was his first charge, you know, all of the deets. And the judge agreed with him. So in March 2021, his bail was reduced to 750000 And he remained in jail because he couldn't pay that. But I have to mention that this all kind of happened in the height of COVID. And when I like to say that the justice, the wheels of justice, are they turn slowly, as they all say. But when COVID hit, of course, the wheels of justice just came to a complete stop. And so all the cases were put on backlog and, you know, it was just a standstill. But in that meantime, between time, Andre's lawyer kept going to the courts and asking for a reduction in his bond. And the judge agreed. So with those two charges, he was able to get his bond down to $250,000. Now, his lawyer's strategy worked. And his lawyer said to the papers, he was like, I'm so happy that the judge agreed with us and that he was able to reduce his bail. And hopefully you know, or his bond, I'm sorry. And we don't really know if he'll be able to afford 250000 but at least it's a lot more feasible, right? Well, that next Friday, that happened in the week, during the week, and uh, next Friday, Andre is out on bond right now. It's October 2022. He's out on bond. Y'all, I just cannot, Okay. I cannot. That makes me so angry. And I know if I'm angry and I'm not a family member, I'm not a friend of Andrine, I cannot even imagine their anger, their sadness, their hurt. It's unfathomable, honestly. So everything's in like limbo right now. We're in a waiting stage. Um, The prosecutors and Andre's lawyers are kind of going back and forth saying that his lawyers are saying that the DA hasn't given them key evidence that they are supposed to give to the defense and they have not done that. And so the trial just keeps being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And here we are in 2022 and Andre's out. And I just keep wondering, when is this going to end? When will there be a resolve to this case? Like, he's in jail because everything points to him doing it. Everything. But I want to just get off of Andre because I really believe that he will be dealt with. Either on this side of heaven or on the other side. Because it is clear all arrows are pointing to the fact that Andre did this horrendous act 
to his wife in front of his child. Everything is pointing to that. So either he going to get it on this side or he going to get it on the other. But either way, he going to get it. But I just want to highlight the fact that her community actually paid for her funeral. The community came together and supported Andrine's family and just paid for her funeral. And I just, I, I always, in these cases of murder, these true crime cases, I always just try to look for something good, whether it be a cautionary tale, you know, give caution to the people that are still living, have your voice and your story be able to save other people. Or I try to pull something good, a good takeaway, as we often say here. What is the takeaway? And so there are two takeaways that I I've gotten from this case. And as this case is updated, which hopefully soon it will be, I will, of course, update you guys. But the first takeaway is community. How influential community can be. How it's important to be a service in your community, to give back volunteering or to be a service in the business that you run or, um, you know, make sure that you're present in your community, get to giving back because there may be a time when you need to be on the opposite end of that. And I think Andrine showed up for her community with her two facilities, her two home care facilities. She gave back. She was able to give care. And give the best care, you know, because she was a she was she was disciplined and she wanted to make sure that everything that she did was the best. It was top tier. And um, she gave back to her community. And so when it was time for her community to give back to her, they showed up. They showed up. And a lot of times in these true crime cases, you hear families, you know, really they really are the life behind these stories they're they're the ones that keep it going but if you have a community that joins hands with you and keeps the story in the forefront you can get things done as you've seen in this case they were able to in a short amount of time to find Andrine's remains get the police immediately involved which was all a good thing they acted very like immediately which is sometimes just not what you find in these true crime cases. And so that sense of community, that taking up space in your community, giving back to your community, I loved it. I absolutely adored it. And I know that 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 support was needed for Andrine's family. And I know they were so appreciative of it. And so that was my first takeaway. My second takeaway is about Andrine and Andre's relationship. Now, I pretty much told you guys what I researched and what I found. And, you know, when you're researching, especially on the Internet, you'll, you know, get a little bit of this and get a little bit of that. And sometimes you'll get conflicting research. But there is an overall consensus that domestic abuse was in their relationship, that Andre was abusive and I believe that we sometimes just associate domestic abuse with you know um wounds and scars and bruises but it doesn't always look like that a cry for help doesn't always have to be visually seen I think there were some red flags 
and some red, we need to normalize some red flags and know them as red flags, right? Because if my friend were to say to me what Andreen said, which is if I ever go missing, if I ever don't show up, he killed me. I'm, I'm talking to my friend and I'm not saying that her friends weren't talking to her because because I don't know that. But what I do know is that that's not a normal statement. That's something about that isn't right. And so I just want to bring awareness to the fact that domestic abuse doesn't always look like what we see on TV. It can look like that. That's just one of the faces of domestic abuse. Right. And so I definitely feel like she was experiencing that. She was trying to figure out a way to get out of it, you know, trying to keep her family together, trying to do the right thing. But ultimately, you know, he killed her. He ultimately killed her. So I would be remiss if I did not give out information where you can seek help if you know of someone who is experiencing domestic abuse or you're actually experiencing it yourself. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. And sometimes we just can't call, right? And so if you're a texter and you just need to text somebody, their number is text start to 888-7888. Again, it's text start, actually spell out text start, to this number, 888-788. Again, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. Until next time, friends, it's your host, Steph, and this is Murder in the Black.